You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Welcome to Thorn Creek Church. I'm so excited that you are tuning in again online. If you are just joining us for the first time, we want to say thank you. Thank you so much for spending some time uh, tuning into this message. Uh, my hope and prayer is that you experience God in a life-changing way, that God reaches into your living room or your dining room or wherever you're at, and you're looking at this through your phone or TV or flat screen. Uh, thank you so much. My prayer is that you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and you were encouraged and changed and lifted up uh, forever. So uh, I want to start off this week with talking about a couple of things. Before we jump into the message, I want you to know how your church, Thorn Creek Church, is giving back and how we are loving people. We helped a family out this week. I, I drove to their house with, with my daughter, and this family lost many, many hours of work. It's a single-income family. They were in a desperate situation, and I read Scripture to them, and I prayed with them, and I gave mom the check, and mom was so taken back. She was so grateful. She needed this check, and I told her this check was from your church, that loves you and cares about you. So you made a difference, Thorn Creek, in that family. So thank you, thank you so much. We are also helping out a campground in Divide, Colorado called Golden Bell. This is our campground that, that we go to every single year. We send our children there. We send our students there. And they have had 100% cancellations. You could imagine groups saying, no, we're not going to go to that campground anymore because of this virus. And they've been experiencing a very negative financial impact. So your church, Thorn Creek, sent $1,000 there to help them during this difficult season. They are very, very grateful. So thank you. And I say all this to say our, our, our spirit, our desire is to come alongside people during this pandemic season in a very tangible way and let them know that their church loves them and they're not alone. So thank you for giving. Thank you so much for giving even above and beyond. Some of you have said, Pastor Ruben, we're in a, we haven't lost our income at all and we're in a good situation, so we want to give more. So if you're in that situation, I want to thank you because you're helping out those who have less. And what we're doing is we're trying to turn around, we're trying to bless as many as we can to let them know that God loves them and their church is with them and they're not alone. So thank you so much giving freely and generously. You are a blessing. So let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your love. And we come before you. We need you, Lord. Uh, we, don't, we don't need to hear a word from me, God. We need to hear a word from you. So I, I, I say, fill me, Lord. Holy Spirit, work in me and through me. Put your words in my mouth and direct my thoughts. May this be a word from you, God, a word directly from heaven. And likewise, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak to that person who's watching this message right now by video. Grab them, Lord. Captivate them, Lord. Apprehend them and speak to them, God. Thank you, God, for your grace. I also want to pray for our healthcare workers. Be with them, God. They're in the front lines. Take care of them, Lord. Keep them safe and keep them healthy. I pray against this pandemic, Lord. I pray 
against this COVID-19 virus, Lord. I pray against this coronavirus. I pray that you begin to heal people immediately right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that that curve starts not only flattening out, but starts descending quickly in Jesus' name. So move here, God. And most of all, Lord, I pray for our nation. I pray that our, for our nation to turn to you. I pray that we seek your face. I pray that we humble ourselves. I pray that we turn from our wicked ways. And I pray we cry out to you and seek you with all of our heart, Jesus. So move here, God. Move in our nation. I pray, God, that you move in such a way that even prayer is allowed back in schools. Would you move at that level, Lord, I pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Boy, that's my prayer. Uh, God, I pray that God uh, just uses this in a tremendous way. Um, before we jump into the message, I want to say one more thing. We have Holy Week services starting on Monday, April 6th at 7 p.m. We're going to have a Holy Week service, a service on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night at 7 p.m. at this same station that you're at right now, live.thorncreek.church. We'll be looking at what Jesus did each of those days, and there'll be different speakers. So you want to make sure you tune in for that. Who is Jesus to you? That's the big question. Today is Palm Sunday, and that was the big question for Palm Sunday. Who is Jesus? Hold on to that just for a little bit. Uh, this week, I spent some time looking at ESPN, and, 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 and I, I saw reruns. I, I saw the Super Bowl championship game between the New York Giants and they beat the New England Patriots, and it was a very cool game. I saw Game 7 of the NBA Championship when the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Golden State Warriors. That was really cool. That was before Golden State Warriors started, um, you know, buying some talent. <laughs> but uh, I saw a high school basketball game from 2002, Oak Hill Academy versus St. Vincent, St. Mary. LeBron was on that one. That was a fun game to watch. Right now, there are stadiums and arenas and coliseums all over the country that are empty. They are usually, they're usually there's fans sitting in there and fans are, are just screaming and yelling for their, for their team. And, and, you know, there's different types of fans out there. And you know what kind of fans are out there. Personally, I was a fan of, of a, a team named the Houston Oilers. I loved Earl Campbell way back in the day. I, I used to be a fan of this, this other team named San Diego Chargers when Dan Fouts was there and Kevin Winslow was there. I'm, I'm a fan of the Yankees. I, I, ever since the days of Reggie Jackson, I've been a fan of the Yankees. But there are fans, and then there are crazy fans. You know who I'm talking about, right? These are the ones who might rant and rave over, over social media, or these are the ones that might paint their face and go to the game and scream, and it's like a religion, and they're like, ah, you know, what? Denver Broncos. Some of you are huge Denver Bronco fans. Some of you are such big fans, you will miss church if a Denver Bronco game is playing. So some of you are at that level. Others of you, you might be a fan, but you're not at that level. You're not at that level. Uh, the title of today's message is Jesus Fans. Jesus Fans. And we're in this series called Jesus Who. A fan could be de defined as this, an enthusiastic admirer. What are you a fan of? Palm Sunday is, the, is a gathering of Jesus fans. 
There's a lot of things that happen behind Palm Sunday. And, and, and you just need to understand the backdrop of Palm Sunday. It's happening over the Super Bowl of Jewish holidays known as the Passover. On one occasion, a census was taken that the number of lambs slain for a Passover feast at this time, there were 256,000 lambs that were sacrificed in Jerusalem. So you can imagine hearing all of these lambs just bleeding and, 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 and the smell of, of, of Palm Sunday. Um, and according to scripture, there had to be a minimum of 10 people celebrating the feast for every one lamb slain. That would indicate that there were as many as 2.7 million people on Palm Sunday in Jerusalem when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Now you need to understand something else. It was always the heart of Jesus to go to Jerusalem. When you look at scripture, there was a point when Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem. And he had this flint-like laser focus vision to go to Jerusalem because in Jerusalem is where he would need to go to and, 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 and he would eventually suffer and eventually there would be a cross. But, so he always had this in mind. So I want to jump into Matthew chapter 21 and we'll start at verse one and we'll go through this famous story of Palm Sunday. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. I'm always taken back about this, this passage involving this colt or other versions say a donkey, whatever it may be. And, and Jesus knew that he said, go ahead of you and you will find this donkey there. It just reminds me, if Jesus knew there was a donkey ahead of him, he knows what's ahead of you. You don't have to worry about the future. God knows your future. Verse three says this, if anyone says anything to you, Say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Here's what the prophet said. Say to daughter Zion, see your king has come. Your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Who's this prophet? What is Matthew talking about? It was originally said by a prophet named Zechariah. Zechariah means God remembers or God has remembered. And this prophecy was written 480 years before Palm Sunday. 480 years before this great event happening. And here was the problem. Uh, this was a time when Israel was in a dire situation. This was a time when they had been held captive for 70 years in Babylon. And the way they got to Babylon was because of their unfaithfulness to God. They were not obedient to God. So God allowed this pagan nation named Babylon to come in and evict Israel and take them to their land. And when they got to their land, they were there for 70 years. 
70 years in a foreign land, 70 years not being in their home, 70 years being surrounded by people who worship pagan gods, 70 years thinking about their mistake, 70 years living in regret and guilt and shame and wondering if they could ever get back to the place where they should have been. They've spent 70 years thinking about this. Think about it this way. There are 70 years in quarantine. They cannot leave this place. And now they're, now they're there and, and, and they regret. And, and, and at this point, they get permission to start building a temple. But it was 70 years that they were there. Some of you You've been living in consequences because of your unfaithfulness to God for many years. Maybe it's been weeks or months, but some of you, many years. And there's something that you did, a decision that you made, and you're still living in the consequences of it. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been at church. Maybe it's been a, a long time, and maybe right now your life is even behind a bottle, and that's your life. Maybe you spent your night sleeping around, Maybe you're in a situation right now that you know isn't God honoring. Maybe you've run away from home. Maybe you're just a different person. Maybe you're struggling or maybe life has just become hard or maybe you've just made a mess. You're not too far for God to reach you. And you're not watching this video by accident. God wants you to know he loves you. God wants you to know it's time to come home. God wants you to know he's a God of grace and mercy. And he wants you to know and return to him. And he wants you to experience his grace and his love in your life. You are not too far. And God can take your mess and do a beautiful thing out of it and use it. And it can become part of your life. That's what God does. So God sends Zechariah to encourage the Israelites They've spent 70 years in captivity in Babylon, and now they're starting to build this temple. And the problem is they've built this temple and they're only halfway done. I find it really interesting because in their mind, all they want to do is go back home. And you know what they miss? They miss church. They're building a church. The church was the epicenter of their faith, the epicenter of their community, of their families, and they miss church. Church. Right now, you know, I, I spend some days and I go around and knocking on doors and praying for people. People at Thorn Creek Church, just let them know we, I'm with them and, and I certainly keep my social distance with them. But everyone is saying the same thing. We miss church. We miss coming together as, as a body at Thorn Creek. And I miss seeing all of you. I miss hugging you and kissing you. I went to go see someone just yesterday and my wife tells me, make sure you don't hug them and kiss them. And I laughed because I'm like, she just knows me. I want to do that. But the Israelites missed church and they're halfway done with this, with this project, this construction project, building up their church, but they're discouraged. Have you ever been halfway done with a project? Maybe you're cleaning up a room or you're cleaning up your garage or whatever it is. You're halfway done and you just want to stop and you're just tired. And that's what's happening here. And here's what the prophet Zechariah, he's such, a, such an encourager. Here's what he says. Chapter nine, verse nine. Rejoice greatly, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a, don a donkey, even on a donkey's colt. So God is using Zechariah to encourage the people. And he's telling them, look, 
Be encouraged. God is still working. There's a future for you. You don't see the whole future, but one day the Messiah is going to be riding in. One day the Messiah is going to be coming into this temple. One day. Be encouraged. Keep going. Some of you just need to hear that. Keep going. Be encouraged. God is with you. You keep walking by faith. You may not see anything happening, but that doesn't mean God's not working. Keep going. They miss church. This pandemic has forced us to consider life. We are reminded how fragile life is. We've been quarantined and, and, and it's, it's completely different now. We're not gonna take certain things for granted anymore. We miss hugging people. We miss being with people. And those are all just great blessings. Let's go back to Palm Sunday, back to Matthew chapter 21. Look, look what happens. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches, also known as palm branches, from the trees and spread them out on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, here's the big question, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. These palm branches, branches, you can think of them as our U.S. flag. It was a patriotic moment. They were not thinking this Jesus was going to go to the cross and go to a grave and rise from the grave. They were not thinking Jesus was about to go and die for the sins of the world. There were different crowds. There were different fans that were there. These different fans all had an agenda. Some were political activists. They wanted Jesus to free Israel from Roman rule. They were thinking he was the next King David. He was King David 2.0. That was their hope. There were other fans there. There were other fans that said, we need another miracle. They were looking at Jesus as their miracle maker. They needed him to heal a family member or heal a friend from illness or, or cast a demon out. Whatever it was, they wanted Jesus to do a miracle and that's why they were there. Others wanted food. They were there from, they, they witnessed the feeding of the 5,000 and they remember the few fish and few loaves and he was able to feed 15,000 plus. And they were there thinking, you know what? That might happen again. Other fans were there that were just curious. They showed up to watch the show. And then, of course, you have the Pharisees and the high priests. They were there, experts of the law, and they wanted to try to trap Jesus in what he would say. Some were soldiers representing Roman rule, and they were there, and they were on duty. They were working. But some people that were there were actual followers. Everyone had an agenda. It seems that only Jesus was aware why he was riding into Jerusalem. Only Jesus was aware what was on the other side. The, the clock was starting to tick. And it seemed like only Jesus, as he rode in on that donkey, knew, the, knew what was going to be waiting for him, a cross. He was going to be separated from his heavenly father. He was gonna carry the weight of the sins of the world on his shoulders. Only Jesus knew he was going to 
bleed. He was going to suffer. He was going to die. He was going to be persecuted. Only Jesus knew that. Timothy Keller said this, Palm Sunday is an incredible parable of the lifelong mismatch of what we think we need and what God has provided. And it's so true. You have all these fans that are showing up and political activists and they want a miracle or they, they want to be free from Roman oppression or, or they want to get fed or whatever it is. We have all these, all these people that are showing up and, and, and every, they all need something. They think they need something. And, and as, as humans and humanity, we, we could make the same mistake. We think, God, I need you to work in my situation or I need you, God, to do this and I need you, God, to do this. But God's perspective is so much bigger and greater. He has a greater perspective than your perspective and his will is ultimate. It's much grander than, your, than your, what you can see. I wanna share with you these different types of fans that were there. They were all asking the question, who is this? First is this on Palm Sunday, who is this? The question was asked by the chief priests and their issue was Jesus was a threat. See, they understood what's known as the Torah or the Pentateuch or the books of the Old Testament. They understood the law. They understood all 613 laws. They memorized the first five books of the Bible. They knew it. And when Jesus showed up, these religious people saw Jesus as a threat. Isn't that something? We can grow up in the church and see something as a threat. We can make that same mistake. Jesus said this about them. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Wor they worship me in vain. They honor me with, with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's possible to believe in Jesus, but not be changed by Jesus. It's possible for you to read scripture, but for it not to hide in your heart. It's possible for you to say all the right things, but you have not died to yourself. You have not let God change your heart. It's possible to go to church all the time, but your life look like someone who is far from God. You could honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from you. Here's another type of fan that was there that, said, that was asking the question, who is this? And they were the Greeks. The Greeks are not talked a lot about on Palm Sunday, but John chapter 12 tells us that they were there too. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, Bethsaida in Galilee. And they said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. So you have these Greeks that show up. Now, one thing about the Greeks that we know is they were known to be great thinkers and great philosophers. They loved discussing philosophy. They loved discussing the latest ideas. That's what they are known for, even at this moment when Jesus was walking the earth. So for the Greek, Jesus was another philosopher. Aristotle, Socrates, whoever. Jesus was another thinker, another option. Acts chapter four tells us he's not another option. It says, Jesus is the stone that your, stone your builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 
See, Jesus is greater than Muhammad. He is greater than Joseph Smith. He's greater than Buddha. He's greater than Confucius. He's greater than Krishna. He's greater than the Dalai Lama. He's greater than St. Paul, St. Peter, Mary, Joseph, Moses, Abraham. There's nobody greater than Jesus. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus. So if you have an attitude like a Greek and you approach Jesus and you say, well, he's just another option, then you're missing it. You're a fan. You're not a follower. You're a fan. Here's another type of fan that was there that was asking the question, who is this? For some people, Jesus was about another miracle. All they wanted was a miracle. John chapter six tells us this. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. For some people, they were only fans and they showed up to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday because they needed another miracle. We can make the same mistake. We can turn to God only during difficult times and say, God, I need you to, I need you to move here. I need you to heal I need you to work here. I need you to help me with my job. And we only turn to God when we need a miracle. Is that you? You only turn to God when you need him to intervene. But all the other days, he's, he's not that much of a priority in your life. And the other days don't reflect complete devotion at all. In fact, you may not even go to church. But when something happens in your life, you say, God, I need you to work a miracle in my life with no intent to follow him, with no intent to know him fully, no intent at all. The other type of fan that was there were, were people who were asking, who is this? Was a guy like Lazarus. For Lazarus, he was life. In John chapter 12, verses nine through 11, it says this, the large crowd of the Jews that learned that he was there, Jesus was there, and they, and they, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. Well, Who's Lazarus? This is the guy who died for four days. And Jesus showed up and said, Lazarus, come out! And scripture says, Lazarus just hopped on out. He just hopped on out. And, and everyone was floored. It was a great miracle. Now Lazarus is walking around. And everybody's looking at this guy. He's evidence that Jesus is unlike any other religious figure. Jesus can bring life when there is no life. Well, people are showing up to Jerusalem to see Lazarus. And Lazarus, that miracle right there, that is the miracle that put Jesus on the map. He became a wanted man after he raised Lazarus to life. And people are watching Lazarus. And because of Lazarus, many people are turning to Jesus. And this makes the chief priests and high priests and Pharisees angry and upset because they see Jesus as a threat. But for Lazarus, Lazarus has changed. 
He's a different person. He's a complete different person. And Lazarus shows up, and he's one of those that's shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, Jesus hears all these cries, and I want to remind you, these same people that are saying Hosanna are also the ones that will be saying shortly, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. People are fickle. One minute they're for you and one minute they're against you. One minute they're telling you you're their friend and one minute they're talking behind your back. And Jesus knows this and he's going to the cross because of a greater cause, a greater mission. And Lazarus is walking around. I don't know what that's like. I'm guessing people are asking him, hey, Lazarus, what was it like to be dead for four days? Did you go to heaven, Lazarus? Tell us what, what happened. What was that like? People want to know. And Lazarus is just walking around and he's, he's become a follower. And here's what you need to know. Lazarus was more than a fan. He was a follower. A fan is simply defined as an enthusiastic admirer. I would have to say that for most of my Christian life, I haven't been much more than a fan of Jesus. I was born into a Christian home. I went to a Christian school. You know, my dad was a preacher. And from the beginning, I was expected to love Jesus. I was expected to believe in Jesus. And that meant by the time I was 13, you know, I was expected to have the Baptist blow-dry haircut. Uh, you know, the peer pressure that I experienced as a kid was to you know, wear the Christian t-shirt. So I had um, God's Gym, I wore that one. Um, this Blood's For You, yeah, I had that one too. And, and from the beginning, I was a, a fan. I was a fan of Jesus. In fact, in my room, this is true, in my room, next to a poster of Michael Jordan, I had a picture of Jesus Christ. And that kind of captures it. I, mean, I was a fan of Michael and I was a fan of Jesus. I wanted to be like Jesus, but I wanted to be like Mike. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought that was enough. And what I've discovered over the years is that there are just a lot of Christians who are enthusiastic admirers of Jesus. They're fans. But then if you read through the Gospels, you discover that Jesus was never too interested in having fans. What he wanted, what he wanted was followers. He wasn't so concerned about the size of the crowd that was with him. He, can, he cared about the commitment of the people who were following him. You know, there's a passage of scripture that doesn't often get quoted, and it comes from Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It's Jesus, and he says, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, for a lot of people, that invitation to follow Jesus by denying yourself and taking up your cross, oftentimes that isn't included in the presentation of the gospel. And they got the John 3.16, but the Luke 9.23 somehow got left out. But here, here's what I have discovered that for me and for others on this journey, that it's not enough just to be a fan. That until you completely surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and until you give him every part of you. You'll never experience the real life, the true life that he wants you to have.
So which one are you? Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus Christ? Kyle Littman wrote this book called Not a Fan and, and, and really helped us understand what type of uh, followers we are, whether we're a fan or a follower. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That is a verse that describes a follower of Jesus Christ. It's someone who not only intellectually believes, but there's action as well. There's decisions as well. There's internal decisions. You must deny yourself. That means put yourself last. It means no longer living a self-centered life. Take up your cross. Well, that's death. That's dying to yourself. That's living for Christ. That means your new pulse is a pulse for Christ, not of yourself. And follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Maybe for some of you, maybe you felt like you've been living in those 70 years of captivity and you've made some decisions in life. And those decisions you've been reaping the consequences of. And maybe God is calling you back and saying, come home. Maybe for some of you, Jesus is a threat. And that's who he is. He's a threat to your beliefs. Maybe you've customized even your theology so that it benefits you. Or maybe for some of you, Jesus is just another miracle maker. And when things happen in your life that don't go right, you cry out and you say, God, I need a miracle. When whether it's the job or health, you say, God, I need you to do a miracle, but you have no intent to be a follower. Or maybe you're like Lazarus and he's your very life and you owe everything to him. I would encourage you right now, right where you're at, I want to encourage you to turn to Jesus with all of your heart. You, could make, you can say this prayer right where you're at, and God will hear this prayer. You're not watching this message by accident. So here's what I want to do. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to pray for the person who is just far from God, and I also want to pray for the person who's more of a fan than a follower. So let me lead you in this prayer. Would you bow your head right where you're at? And would you say this prayer? If you're ready to ask Jesus into your heart, would you say this? Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Savior, my Lord, my God. Forgive me for my sins. I turn to you. And right now, I choose to become a follower. I choose to become a Christian. I want to live for you forever. Not just during a pandemic, but for forever. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Others of you might need to say this. Maybe you're, you've been more of a fan than a follower. Would you say this? Say, Jesus, forgive me. Right now, I choose to deny myself and take up this cross and follow you. I want more of you in my life. I want to do whatever you want me to do. So change my heart, transform my mind, renew me, put your Holy Spirit inside of me in a fresh way. 
I want to live for you. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, God, even if it's radical, whatever it is. So have your way, God. Thank you for your grace and your love. God, we praise you. Jesus, we praise you. Thank you. Thank you for your willingness to ride in on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem. Thank you for your willingness to do that because you knew the cross was waiting for you and you still went. Thank you for your love for us. May you be glorified, God. And may you use this pandemic for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.